0: I'd uh, like to welcome everybody to uh, Blue Rain Gallery podcast. Uh, today, uh, we're excited to have with us via Chicago, um, Chris Papan. Um I'm excited to talk about this because uh, Chris is another uh, innovator and uh, really a trailblazer for uh, maybe, um, what's the best way to say this, uh, redefining what historic ledger art is in a contemporary way. And um, so I'd like to first start though, let's, let's go through a little bit of history, Chris, maybe you could tell us um, where you're born, a little bit about your heritage um, and how that's uh, influenced you in your art. Uh, we can also cover a, a few other things like what is uh, a descriptive of historic ledger art and its influence on your contemporary work. Um so with that, let, let's turn it over to you a little bit and tell us about uh your beginnings.
1: Yeah, uh thanks for having me, Leroy. Um yeah, so I am a member of the Kaw Nation. Uh, we call ourselves K- Kanza, and that's where Kansas gets its name from. That's the state of Kansas is named after my people. So um, but I I wasn't uh born or raised on the Kaw Reservation, which is now in Oklahoma. Um, I actually grew up in Arizona in Flagstaff, which is right next to the Navajo Reservation. So uh growing up, that was kind of my uh my influence of Native American culture. But um <clears throat> you know I didn't really grow up knowing my specific Kanza culture. So uh fast forward to uh end of high school where I had always been drawing and painting. Um, I took extra art classes in high school and won some awards and um, ended up going to the Institute of American Indian Arts in Santa Fe. And that's where I met, um, you know, some lifelong friends and my life partner, Deborah. And she's actually from Chicago. And that's how I ended up here. Um, but she's a Korean in Hamas Pueblo. So you know, she has family connections too in Mexico, and that's why she was at school there also. But um, yeah, d- uh, during the time in, in Santa Fe, um, you know, I was really um, being able to connect and meet with other Native American artists and um, you know, you know there were some fo- folks who were there that were straight off the reservation and you know were really, um really adept at expressing their culture because they were so immersed in it. And you know, there were other natives there who had kind of grown up outside of that, like myself, and were kind of searching for you know for a direction, I guess. Um but you know, growing up in Arizona in the you know 70s and 80s, you know, native art was. You know, not there. There wasn't a lot of focus on you know, like the Fritz shoulders or the TC cannons in Arizona, anyways. You no, know, that, not that I saw, because I was a kid. So.
0: <laughs> so what were what kind of art were they uh, encouraging you to do?
1: Well, it, they weren't really encouraging me to go in a certain direction, but they weren't really kind of telling me like, oh, if you want commercial success, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. They were just kind of like, you know, you do your own thing and, you know, figure it out.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, maybe so was, maybe they're trying to encourage you to find your own voice, would you say?
1: Yeah, yeah, they th- th- I think that's what it was. And, you know, being that young, I, you know, I myself didn't really know what my voice was and I didn't really find it until until I started doing the ledger art. Um, you know, I, I think that's really where I really just took off, and unfortunately, it took, it took a lot longer than I had wanted it to. But you know, that's that's life sometimes.
0: So, um, growing up in the cities, uh, your 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 parents are obviously native. Uh, did they have any influence on you? Like, did they take you to ceremonies or uh, teach you about uh, your culture?
1: So, my parents, uh, my mom is white, and my dad is native. Um, but they split when, uh, when I was really, really young. So, um, yeah, so I didn't really attend a lot of ceremonies, um, in, in Oklahoma. Um, you know, if, if there was anything, it would have been something, you know, a pan Indian, like a powwow and flagstaff or something or something like that. But, you know, again, I didn't really feel that much connection to it, um, and again, it wasn't until I really started doing the ledger art that I, I really became more connected to my culture and my community. And that's when my community also welcomed me back in as well. So. That's
0: wonderful. Um, tell us, uh, for our audience who doesn't know, how, how would you describe traditional uh, ledger art? What's its origination? What was its purpose? Uh, anything you can share with us on that?
1: So ledger art is, it's basically a continuation of Plains art styles. Um, But I like to think of it as an artistic revolution as well because the ledger paper was the introduction of paper to the Plains tribes in the mid 1800s as manifest destiny was happening. And um, you know, there's, there's just all this tumultuous change within a lot of uh, Native communities in the central part of the U.S. So, um, you know, the ledger paper that was used for recording um, sales of goods and services uh, in the hands of Native folks then became a substrate to visually record way of life that had been uh, erased.
0: I think a good example of that that I can remember is the the battle with Custer- up there, because uh, you saw a lot of ledger, ledger paintings depicting the battle, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what you're saying. They're recording their, their daily lives now in different ways. Uh, I, I, th- I think probably before that, was it buffalo skins and, and things of that nature that they were exactly. using? Yeah. yeah. Did you start uh, looking at traditional ledger art, or were you already familiar with it? Or how how did this come, the transition of your work, taking a historic point of view into a contemporary?
1: So, kind of um, going back a little bit. Um, after I moved to Chicago, I went to the School of the Art Institute for a little bit and uh, became an art school dropout. And um, you know, I, I, and then I started to try to find my voice of what I wanted to do with my artwork. And then, you know, during my time at in Santa Fe, I was trying to stay away from Native art, but then after coming to Chicago, I realized that, you know, this is an important part of who I am and who my family is. So I'm going to start making native art, but I don't know how I'm going to do that. And around that time uh, I was introduced to Juxtapose magazine mm-hmm. and uh, looking at that art in that magazine and just loving the art and artists. Uh, I thought, you know, it'd be interesting if I could kind of incorporate that lowbrow pop surrealist style into, um, into native culture and, you know, how, how would that work? And what would that look like? And then I saw, um, the artwork of Douglas Miles, who was doing exactly that. And, um, you know, I was like, okay, this is, this is the right direction to go. Cause you know, this is who I am. And this is also who I am, you know, marrying these two things together. So. Uh, I, I I started calling my work Native American lowbrow and then i um I came across some contemporary ledger paper and, and I'm used ledger book in my day job and uh, learning about ledger art at um, Institute of American Indian Arts in Art History classes, I kind of thought oh wow this this would be a great way to kind of marry a tradition and, and you know the way I like to draw in a contemporary way and so uh yeah that's kind of how it started and then it just and then it took off from there um I, I started doing the the art markets I think the first one I did was the the herd india market and um then I did the idle york india market and then the santa fe india market and then you know Then that's when I was welcomed also into a ledger artist community because there were a few artists back then, you know, there weren't as many as you see today, but um, back then there was just, you know, a handful of them and they were like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. And, you know, I I felt welcomed by them and, Mm -hmm. you know, encouraged. And so I just, you know.
0: It seems like a lot of the, your contemporaries ledger art is still based more on the traditional Point of views uh, where you, you've become a trendsetter and contemporizing everything and uh, <laughs> it's really cool. And I, w- I want to talk about a little bit about this. Um, there's, there's a few things that has happened in your life in the last few years that I want you to talk about. Uh, one of them you know a lot about, the other you may not know so much, but it's just as important. But tell me about your experience and your exhibit at the uh, Field Museum in Chicago. Because most people don't get an opportunity like you had uh
1: the exhibit at the field museum that was uh that became an intervention in a uh native history museum that has displayed Native American culture in a very one sided way uh through a very um eurocentric anthropological lens um, and you know that museum has been very uh complicit and portraying native people as you know as vanished as you know that our culture doesn't exist anymore and these are the remnants of it so uh, i got that opportunity through my wife deborah who was working for um, an education program at the time and she had met the curator there and the curator was interested in you know kind of uh reintroducing contemporary native culture to (laughs) to the museum, uh, uh, to the museum in general. Uh, So, yeah, so that's kind of how it all started. And then, um,
0: yeah, uh, it just
1: kind of blew up.
0: Can you describe uh, how your work was integrated with and around what? And I I know I I could say what it was, but I'd like you to, I'd like your perspective on what they did with your work.
1: Part of it was... um, you know, build, building up actual walls around old display cases and hanging my art, but then there's other ways that my art could engage with the with the work, the historical works that were in the cases, and um, that kind of came out of necessity because my original idea was to put work inside of the cases, but um, you know, due to old museum practices and things, they. Uh, those old display cases are basically hazmat situations because everything was treated with arsenic and as a pesticide. So I couldn't put my artwork inside the case. So I ended up putting my artwork on the glass in front of the case. So then it became all these different layers of history from the past to the present. And people had to actually like face a contemporary drawing of native folks to you know, look around and see the, uh, the artifact.
0: Yeah, the case. historic vesture. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, that, that was so beautiful what they did, uh, integrating the banners uh, throughout and the posters. Um, it, it really did exactly what you're you talking about, uh, Chris, and that is, you know, Native people are still alive and they still have their culture. And it, it, it's not something to be dusted off, it's, it's living and continuing in a beautiful way. Exactly. Um, so the, the second one I want to talk to you about is uh, last year we we sold, um, or the TIA collection, I should say, uh, acquired four major paintings. They've also acquired a few others in, in the past. And the TIA collection, I don't know if you know this, but they uh, loaned their work throughout the world, through all the museums. And that, that's a big deal for you as well. And um, the imagery that they chose in this last selection was very powerful and it had to do um, with the Boy Scouts and the imitation of native regalia and, and dance. Can you explain more about that, about those four pieces?
1: Yeah, those were created through uh, my time in an artist residency here in Chicago as well. Um, so, I, you know, I, I had a lot of, um Great input, uh, lots of critical dialogue around those pieces, and just was really able to focus on them. So I was really proud of that series. But you know, it, it came out of the idea that I, I just had for a long time of, you know, this uh, misappropriation of Native American culture, and you know, the Boy Scouts being one of those institutions that just is kind of unforgiving about that. And I, you know, part of it is due to their complicated history in that there was a Dakota man by the name of Charles Eastman who helped kind of form the, the Boy Scout uh, way of doing things. You know, he he went in there and he wanted to teach kids, you know, the real Native way of life. And, um, you know, he wasn't able to do that for whatever reason. So he just kind of was like, you know, I'm, I'm not. You know, work with guys anymore so uh, but I think they the Boy Scouts kind of took his participation in that and just you know ran with it and so you know I, I don't think people really understand that history or you know just how uh, damaging and um, irritating it is for Native people so and you know especially here in the Midwest I see that a lot you know there's lots of you know, Boy Scout troops and, you know, they like, they like to name themselves their little troops after nations and it's just, you know, like I said, they're unapologetic about it because when Native people come to them and be like, you know, this is offensive and I don't really think what you're doing is appropriate, they're just like, well, too bad.
0: Well, you really <laughs> you, know, you really did. did a great job in capturing those, those paintings and, uh, like I say, those, those are going to travel the United States and probably the world in the end, Uh, Chris, that that was a really major uh, acquisition uh, for them. Um, Something else, do do you consider uh, yourself as part of a new movement of native artists?
1: Um, Yeah, I I guess so. I I like to, (laughs) I like to think so. Um, I mean, you know, there's the native futurist movement which is happening. And you know, sometimes I like to think that my work could fit in with that movement. Um, you know, thinking about taking something as traditional or something meaningful from the past and reforming it now in the future, so that it's still re- or reforming it here in the present, so that it's still relevant for the future. And so that's where the futurist movement is: is you know, thinking about you know, uh, time in a non-linear way, and you know, the seven gen seven generation idea and how, what we do today affects, you know, our,
0: so I've been, um, I've been in this um, business for 30 years and um, I, I'm seeing a generational shift in which I, I, you're part of. And that's why I asked the question and um, you know, I, I own three, three works of yours, but they're not just with you. They're with Breeze Marcus. And uh, they're, they're very powerful. <laughs> stand up and show that. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, uh, yeah, here you guys go. This is from Breeze. He's um, one of my favorite people as well. And uh, he's, he has the same probably thoughts of struggle as you do. And, but it's, it's nice that you guys have found a way to collaborate, but I, I see your work, I see his work, I see uh, Star Hardridge and, and many others. This is a whole new generation. Uh, coming in. And um, I think by the end, it'll be very, very powerful. Um, The other thing that I I wanted to bring up is, I noticed you were holding uh, a coffee mug before. What was that?
1: This is uh, the wonderful uh, uh, coffee mug that you guys are are making. Um, You know, I I wanted to get some of those products because I wanted to, you know, see the quality of them. And you know this mug is so awesome. It it's fantastic. It keeps everything so hot, and like you don't even feel the heat on the outside. Yeah, you know, they're great. So
0: yeah, no, they're they're great. Um, uh, what do you think of the the idea we had as far as utilizing imagery on 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 products like that?
1: All uh, right, it's it's great. You know, I <clears throat> I was hoping that I could get involved with something like that at some point in my career. A way that you're doing it is it's it's really helpful and. Um,
0: well, we're hoping that it'll help uh, artists who are climbing the ladder like yourself with, it, it, you know, it's not huge profit margins, but it'll, every little bit helps um, so that we can keep you painting. And and that's yeah. part oh, of...
1: <laughs> I just want one thing to real quick too. I, I, what I like about it is that it's, it's affordable so that, you know, more people can be able to acquire something, you know, with my work on it because, you know.
0: Yeah, you know, the other thing, Chris, that we have noticed is that there is crossover between both of our platforms, the BluRain.com, BluRainGallery.com and BluRainPrintShop.com. You know, there, we've, we've had a lot more uh, inquiries in your work derivative of the print shop into BluRainGallery.com. And that, that's an interesting note, but it, uh, it all comes together. It's actually a good concept. Um can you talk a little bit about uh, the upcoming show and what you have planned for us here at Blue Rain Gallery?
1: Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, every time I have a show with you guys, I always try to, um, you know, throw in something different into the mix, but then I also try to, you know, keep the stuff that that folks like. So, you know, so there's there's always something new that you'll see from me. So, um, one piece I have is actually a drawing on wood, so uh, you know, let's just kind of see how that's going to go. Um, playing with uh, um, the the element of fire again, but um, this time kind of really going crazy with it. So um, see some of that, and then also I'm, I'm doing a couple of pieces where I'm just I'm kind of pulling back and just I'm just really enjoying the the medium of graphite and just trying to do just some you know a couple of really beautiful just straight drawing oh um, nice well sorry. we're looking
0: we're looking forward to your visit uh, or your, your are you coming down to to fe for that no no okay not well either. we're looking forward to your work especially <laughs> but wait, I'm, I'm grateful that you took time today to um do a podcast with us uh chris like to encourage everybody to uh, visit our website blueraingallery.com and and view Chris's new work. It'll be here in a few weeks. His opening is on February 26th. Uh, our doors here at Blue Rain are open, even though there's not a lot of tourism in our state. Uh, for those who are around and want to come, uh, we have a huge edifice that's 10,000 square feet, and uh, we we do practice social distancing and masks, so it is a fairly safe environment. Um, I would like to encourage everybody to subscribe to our podcast through Apple uh, Podcasts or through uh, Spotify or YouTube. It would be wonderful if you could subscribe. Also, if you want to do some more of uh, Chris's work on the print shop, go to uh, bluerainprintshop.com and get some of those mugs. They are actually exactly how Chris said. They will keep your stuff hot and cold too. So. Thank you again. And until next time, nice talking to you, Chris.
1: Likewise, Leroy. Thank you.